glad you're here this Sunday morning, out here in this bright, sunshiny day. We're uh, delighted to be able to worship the Lord together here on our parking lot. Um, six weeks ago, or seven weeks ago now, we uh, uh, started having to do alternative church. It's something that uh, most of us uh, my age have never heard of in their life, and uh, we we are so appreciative of your faithfulness to God and to His church here at First Assembly. Uh, you have been a blessing during this uh, most difficult time in the life of the church. But, uh, God is good, Amen. and uh, He's good all the time, and He's seeing us through this. And I, I want to applaud you for your just love of God and faithfulness to the church and to the work of God. You you have uh, been a source of encouragement to Phyllis and I and, and all of us here uh, on staff at First Assembly. Um, let me share with you real quickly uh, some things that uh, hopefully will be helpful to you. Uh, Wednesday night we are doing our online uh, prayer and Bible study. Uh, so if you would, at 6.30, we, are, we go live every uh, Wednesday night. You can catch us there uh, about 45 minutes. Uh, we'll sing, preach, and pray. And you can just come right along with us and share the Word of God. Also, every day, um, usually in the mornings, sometimes in the afternoon, if Phyllis gives me too much stuff to do, uh, I'll post the daily devotion. And uh, you can catch it on my page, uh, Facebook page. If you're not my friend, you need to be. <laughs> I want to be your friend. You can just ask to be a friend, and uh, you can catch it there. Also, I post it on our public page at the Church First uh, Monticello First Assembly uh, Facebook page, and uh, you can uh, share in the daily devotion with us every every day. It's Monday through Friday. Also, uh, next Sunday, uh, we're not sure just exactly the format for our worship together. Um, the governor is making um, some recommendations tomorrow. Actually, he'll be telling us what we can and cannot do as far as uh, large venue meetings are concerned, which is uh, the category that the church falls under. And so we're not sure if we're going to be able to meet in your sanctuary or if we're going to have to continue to uh, do alternative things like online church or parking lot services or whatever the Lord allows us or gives us the ability to think of. Uh, it's very possible we will meet next uh, Sunday in our auditorium. Not sure about the numbers now. I want you to listen to me, okay? Because I love you and I, I, I want you to understand where we're coming from. If the governor gives us some uh, regulations about how we are to meet in the services, our district brethren and our general council brethren are going to be supporting that. And so uh, we, we won't be able to come into the sanctuary as we normally do, just nonchalant or just as we always have. Uh, we will have spec we'll have seating that is marked off. Uh, probably a pew by pew, we'll have to skip a pew in between. Social distancing rules for sure are going to be enforced. That means at least 
uh, six foot apart from family units. Family units will have to sit together. And uh, so if you don't like your family, you're going to have to learn how to like them. And <laughs> I don't think you're going to have any problem with that. But uh, also, uh, we will uh, have special, everybody will have to wear a mask more than likely. And uh, our ushers will have to wear gloves along with a mask. Pastor, uh, you need to wear a mask so we can't hear you. Uh, I resented that. <laughs> but uh, thank you for that honk. <laughs> so um, what I'm saying to you is things are not going to be as usual. And we're going to have to, I, I, what I'll, I want you to do is please be understanding and be kind and compassionate and cooperative. And if you can do that, we'll we'll be able to go ahead and have church together, and it'll be it'll be Christ honoring, and it'll be a good thing. So uh, we'll let you know as the week progresses how we're going to do that, and uh, there'll uh, there'll be uh, all kinds of hand sanitizer at the doors. And uh, the fountains, the water fountains will be shut down. Uh, and they'll be packaged. You won't be able to get a drink of water from them. So we'll have bottled water for you. And uh, if you'll be really sweet, I might get some popcorn. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, just be listening. Uh, and uh, we'll be getting the word out to you about how we're going to do church. Uh, next uh, next Lord's Day. All right. We always try to share a little something funny. Uh, there was a preacher, young preacher, who was uh, a guest speaker at a small church out in the country, and he was a fiery and uh, pretty uh, intense young young minister. And uh, he had got toward the end of his sermon, and uh, the pulpit's just really close to the front pew. And so he's just preaching, and, and, and he quoted the words of Jesus where the Lord said, I come quickly. He said it the first time with a lot of passion. And then he said it the second time, I come quickly. And then the third time, even louder and with more passion, I come quickly. And about that time, the unstable pulpit fell over, and he went over with it and landed in the ladies' front pew. And the old saint said to him, preacher apologized to her and said, I'm so sorry, I, I, I just, I, I, I hate this happened. She said, listen, it's all right, Sonny, you warned me three times. <laughs> all right, good job. We're going to begin our service today. Would you join with me? Let's sing, He Set Me Free. Put your hands together.
join with our worship team and let's sing to Jesus this morning.
body, if you will submit it to God, the enemy has no choice but the authority and the power of Jesus Christ to submit. Everything must flee. Everything that he lays hold of you on has to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, your victory is in the name of Jesus this morning.
Jesus' name. Amen. Phyllis, can we sing what a healing Jesus If you will, just sing this with me this morning right there where you are in your car, in your vehicle. If you're sick in your body or if you have a need in your life of any sort or kind, I've been reminded so powerfully this week that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Everybody say, with his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Let's sing about a healing Jesus right now and praise him. What a healing Jesus I found in you. What a healing Jesus you restore, refresh, and renew. What a So powerful. 
It was for them then. It's for you now. And would you just slip your hand up and receive this from God? I'm telling you, God wants to do this for every one of us as his children. God said the old waste places, the places that have been given up on, the places that are burnt over fields, the places of your dreams that have died, the places where the enemy has told you you'll never be successful. God says because of the anointing that is upon the people of God, those places are going to be rebuilt. And God's anointing is upon a group of people to be repairers of the breach. And that God in these last days is going to make an oasis out of those desert places. That out of the trash dumps and heaps of life, God is bringing forth a garden of victory and beauty. And the Lord says today, indeed, you will trade your ashes for his beauty. And that the oil of gladness is upon your head and that you will put off a spirit of heaviness. Hallelujah. And put on a garment of praise. Come on, somebody shout with me. I'm going to rebuild the old waste places. God's going to bring back the dream. God's going to revive the day. God's going to cause the work to be restored in the midst of the days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got every broken dream. I pray right now you'd restore. God, I thank you that you can take our mess-ups and you can make miracles out of them. And I praise you right now, Jesus, for that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's pray together. As we do, would you remember Russell and Peggy Dinsmore, Charles Davis, and also Charles's granddaughter, Jack Ratliff, Royce Bashaw, Paul David Rowe, Jerry Rhodes, Ronnie Nobles, Beverly Crane, Melton Jones, Jesse and Terry Farmer, Kathy Hales, Linda Heflin, Jamie Ratliff. I'd ask you if you'd remember my brother Randy as he's recuperating from his fifth knee surgery. I believe God has undertaken for him. I want to give you a... a praise report today on two of our missionaries that we've been praying for that contracted COVID-19 and were, both of them were on ventilators for over 40 days. And the doctors had uh, several times just told the families there wasn't a lot of hope. But Greg, Brother Greg Mundus, who is our World Missions Director in Springfield, uh, is uh, out of the hospital and in rehab and he's uh, eating everything in sight, <laughs> his son said. And God has blessed him and touched him and strengthened him. And so we rejoice in God's healing power in Greg's life. Thomas Carpenter, one of our own Arkansas missionaries, uh, he and Angela, of course, uh, minister to special needs people and uh, do a wonderful job. Thomas uh, got sick uh, going on 50 days now, but uh, he's... he's uh, off the vent and eating and talking and and doing so much better and uh, taking rehab and we thank the Lord for your prayers and for what God has done in his life. God can take the worst situations and turn them around for his glory. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Why don't you reach over and join hands with somebody there in the car with you if you feel comfortable doing that. 
and let, let's, let's agree together that we're going to come out of this bigger and more blessed and better than we've ever been. Because what the devil means for bad, God means it for good. And we're just going to believe that in every circumstance and situation. Pray with me right now. Let's call souls into the kingdom. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you're a mighty God. And we serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or even ask according to the mighty power that is in us. We declare today that you are the glorious God of heaven, the majestic God of creation. Lord, you scooped out the seas with your hand. You raised the mountaintops with the tips of your fingers. Lord, you flung the stars in the sky. You commanded light to shine. Lord, I thank you that today you make the lame walk and the deaf hear and the blind see and the dead to live again. That's the God you are. And Lord, on the basis of what you've done yesterday, we believe you're doing that today. We believe you'll do that tomorrow. And so, God, we lose our faith to believe you for the miracle in people's lives. Lord, raise up the sick now, whether it's cancer or cold. Lord, whether it's heart disease or blood pressure problems or some kind of diabetic problem or a blood disease or a bone malady. God, you're the healer. And by your stripes, we are healed. And we just declare and speak over the people of God today the healing power of Jesus Christ. Lord, let your glory settle over us in these cars, in these trucks, in these vehicles, on this platform, God, all over this parking lot. Let the glory of Jesus Christ be sensed in our lives. Heal us, help us, touch us, strengthen us. We give you praise. God, save the lost in these last days. Reach into the hearts of those without Christ. Lord, send a revival to America. People are looking for answers right now. People are looking for the help. And, and Lord, some are, are looking in the wrong places. But God, I believe that you can cause them to look up and see that our help comes from the Lord. God, I pray for that. I pray for backsliders. I pray for prodigals to come home to the Father. Lord, draw them by the grace of God. And stir every one of us, Lord. We're living in the last days. God, what we're going through now is, is just a sign, is just a momentary thing. When we understand that God is just calling us to Jesus, it's just calling us to the precious bleeding side of Christ. Lord, it's another sign, evidence that you're coming soon. And we want to be ready. We want to be living for you. We want to be serving you when the trumpet of God sounds just any day now. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and give you glory today. Touch your people meet every need, and we give you thanks in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. We'll give the Lord a good hand clap or horn blow this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, thank you so much for singing and praying and worshiping the Lord with us this morning. Uh, we're going to receive our offering at this time. And, and uh, before we do, let me remind you of our giving opportunities. You can go to MonticelloFirstFamily.com on our website. Click on the giving portal there. You can download the Simply Give app on your phone and give that way. You can mail your offerings to P.O. Box 473. That's First Assembly of God, Monticello. The zip code is 71657. Or you can drive by the office and... Uh, 
just honk the horn under this uh, front uh, north portico and we'll come out and uh, receive your giving. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. You can text and give if you'd like on your phone. The number is 870-890-4837. So please remember all of those ways that you can communicate your giving with uh, the church here at First Assembly. Uh, we want to thank you for your faithfulness and helping us, and we just appreciate you so very, very much. We couldn't do this without your faithfulness. Lord Jesus, you are so wonderful. We thank you for the ministry of the cross of Christ in our community. We thank you, Lord, for this church that is a part of that process. We thank you for its sweet people. And we ask today, Lord, your blessings upon both gift and giver. Lord, your promise to a tithe pay payer is that you will open the windows of heaven. And God, you'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. And you'll cause our vine to bring forth a full harvest. And you'll prosper the work of our hand. We believe you to do that in Jesus' name. Bless the offerings that are given beyond the tithe for missions and benevolence ministries. Touch the people, prosper them 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold were the words of Jesus concerning gifts like that. And we believe you for that increase in the life of the gift and the life of the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today as you give. say looks like we could get out here kind of early today and you might be able to beat the Baptist to the restaurant 
but it's hard to do that when when the restaurants are open. <laughs> Amen. Well, take your Bibles if you would, and and uh, we're just going to read one verse of Scripture this morning. Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse eight. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. The Bible just simply says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord this morning and the declaration that we have about your Son. We thank you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask, Holy Spirit, right now that you would just make the word of God quick and powerful, a sharp two-edged sword. Let it speak to every heart and every life and let it pierce to the depth of our being. And I pray today, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw us closer to you in these difficult days. Challenges abound on every hand. Certainty, uncertainties are everywhere. But Lord, in this changing and uncertain world, in this climate of confusion, I thank you. There is a rock that is higher than we are. There is a rock, Jesus Christ that we can build our lives upon. And we praise you today that we have that foundation in these storm-tossed times. Bless the people. Draw them closer to you. If there's a soul today in the hearing of my voice that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, would you cause them to sense and to know their need of Christ? Draw them to the cross, and may they find heaven's free gift of salvation we pray in Christ's name amen and amen before we get started could we have a group hug why don't you stretch your arms out now come on and now everybody just oh don't you feel that isn't that wonderful glory to God I love you thank you so very much for being here this morning I want to preach to you on this on this subject today, a changeless God in changing times. A changeless God in changing times. In the last few weeks, it seems like everything in our lives has changed. Seven weeks ago or six weeks ago, I, I preached the morning and the evening services. The following Monday, I had Brian class at 10 o'clock and then Brian class at 7 o'clock. And then Wednesday night, we had our regular uh, Wednesday night activities and services. I, I taught a lesson to our prayer and Bible study group in the auditorium on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 23. And uh, there, walking, Paul says, putting on off the old man and putting on the new man. But thanks to the coronavirus, Sunday came, but Sunday services did not. At least not as we were accustomed to, and certainly not 
in the corporate sense. And that's just a little taste of all the changes that you and I have had to deal with in these last few weeks. Six weeks ago, school was in. Six weeks ago, the stock market was up. Six weeks ago, professional sports were in full swing. Six weeks ago, you could find toilet paper at the store. <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people are not shaking hands because of coronavirus. I want you to know I'm not shaking hands because people obviously don't have toilet paper. <laughs> the events of the last few weeks confirm that Henry David Thoreau, the author, was right when he said, nothing endures but change. Change is the only constant of the human experience. It is against that backdrop of constant and continual change that the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In less than 10 words, the inspired writer speaks of what we call theologically the immutability or the unchangeableness of Christ. Everybody shout, he never changes. In less than 10 words, we read about the only constant in our human experience. Nations change. Governments rise and fall. Time changes. Seasons change. Landscapes change. Thinking changes. Culture changes. Age and years continue to roll by and change. Bodies change. Money situations change. Morals change. Leadership changes. Life is filled with constant change like the ebb and flow of the ocean and the changing directions of the wind. But in less than 10 words, we see what the theologian A.W. Pink called, these words are a most glorious message which is designed to set the hearts of God's children at perfect rest, allay their fears of uncertainty, strengthen their faith, and cause them to look forward to the future with confidence. For man, listen to me, for man, change is inevitable. He cannot not change. Man is going to change. For God, change is impossible. God cannot change. God cannot change. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Scripture has never had any alterations, additions, or amendments. So the first point on your handout this morning is there will never be a change in his character. What can you depend upon about God? The first thing that you can depend upon about God is his unchanging character. The God of Scripture has never vacillated from the truth. He has never variated from the fact of his original person. Jehovah God has never known an increase or an improvement. I want you to think about that. God has never known an uh, an improvement. Why? Because a perfect God can improve. <laughs> uh, 
A perfect God doesn't have to improve. You can't improve on the best. Phyllis always says, because I married her, I never had to look anywhere else because you can't improve on perfect. I didn't even get a honk from her. The highest of the high, that's our God. The greatest of the great. He is permanently perfect, concreted in compassion and care, fixed in faith, frozen in faithfulness, built in beauty, glued with glory, founded forever, everlastingly eternal, always abundant and approachable, unshakably and ultimately unalterable. Everything he ever was, he still is. Everything he now is, he will always be. Immutability is a fundamental characteristic of God, and it is one of the pillars of what we believe about the Lord. Our God never changes. His character is always the same. Common sense tells us that a perfect God cannot change. He can't change for the better. Why should he? Because he's already perfect. That would mean that he improved and wasn't perfect and holy in the first place. And we know that's not true. He couldn't change for the worst or he wouldn't be holy. But we are not left to rely on common sense. We have the declaration of the word of God ourselves. Malachi chapter 3 verse, I'm about to preach myself happy thinking about who God is. Hallelujah. How do you know who God is this morning? I tell you, do you know who God is this morning? Do you know who Jesus is? He is faithful. He is worthy. He is holy. He is lovely. He's the great I am. Hallelujah. Malachi 3 6 says, I am the Lord and I change not. James 1 17 says, In the Lord there is no variation or shifting shadows. Exodus 3 14 says, I am the God that I am, the God that I've always been, the God that I am right now, and the God that I will always be. Psalm 102 25 through 27. Listen to what the writer said. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you, O Lord, will endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1 applies these passages of Scripture to the Lord Jesus Himself. This also disproves one of the basic tenets of a lot of major false cults and religions. You see a lot of folks uh, think that you can become a God because uh, Jesus was God. You can become a God like him. Uh, back in the charismatic renewal years ago, there were famous TV preachers who began to promote the idea about the little God's doctrine. You see, movements that are not based on the sufficiency of Scripture will succumb to trends and fads in theology just like there are trends and fads in clothing and fashion. And it became, it became fashionable to teach that when you got saved, you became a little God. Not to be unkind, but the notion of a man... Uh, evolving into deity or a God is foreign to Scripture and completely incompatible with the God uh, 
of heaven's character. In order to ever become a god, you would have to undergo a sudden and a dramatic and a drastic change, thereby instantly disqualifying yourself from any claim of deity because we know that God, by definition, is eternally unchangeable. And if you changed into a God, it was obvious you never were a God and you can't become a God because God doesn't need to become a God. I'm here to tell you today, our God never changes. Hallelujah. When you got saved, you didn't become a God. Not even a little God. Not in even an itsy-bitsy Teeny weeny God. <laughs> Have I made my point? Yes. We're not God, but God is forever God. Turning to the words of A.W. Pink, God has neither evolved, grown, nor improved. He cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect. Being perfect, he cannot change for the worse or better. Altogether unaffected by anything outside of himself. Improvement or deterioration is absolutely impossible. That's why the writer of the scripture said he is altogether lovely. And even old Pilate, that Roman governor who oversaw the trial of Jesus, looked fresh and full into the face of the Son of God. And he said, I find no fault in this man. Hallelujah. He is forever unalterable. He is the un changing God. There will never be a change in his character. There will never be a change in his commands. These verses record just a few of God's commands about sin and its consequences. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 4 through 7, you will see what I'm talking about of uh, Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 4, he, he talks about the consequences of particular sinful behavior. And we're living in a day and an hour when we're talking about uh, a church, and I, I use that term flimsily. <laughs> uh, the church of Jesus Christ has never changed. Uh, the church that the Lord loves and that he's going to rapture, the church that is serving God and that is Philadelphia in nature, uh, the church that, that believes the word of God and is close to the bleeding side of Jesus. Uh, the church that believes in the authenticity and the inerrancy of scripture. The church that believes God's word is forever settled in the heavens and doesn't change. That, that church has always been the same. But we're living in a day and an hour where a church is evolving. And where the church really believes that his commands are changing. These, these uh, verses of scripture that I've uh, mentioned in verses 4 through 7 record just a few of God's commands about sin and their impending consequences. And it is in the immediate context of this great declaration about the unchangeableness of our God. If, if the, the bottom line is this, friend. Don't ever get the idea that God has somehow mellowed and changed his mind about sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Did you hear what I said? Ezekiel tells us in his prophetic utterance, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. John saw in Revelation chapter 20, a great white throne 
and all of the wicked dead, the wicked dead being those that have rejected Jesus Christ and lived outside of God's covenant of salvation and lived under the covenant of sin. The Bible says, I saw both small and great, rich and poor, slave and bond, slave and free, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And, and, the, and the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the book. And listen to it. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast alive into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hear me, friend. God has not changed his mind about sin, nor the wages of sin, nor the consequences of sin. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. There are three things about God and his word. And you can't separate God from his word. The word is God. God is the word. I'm telling you, you can't separate those two things. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heaven. The word settled means established. It means unmovable. It means permanent. God's word is settled in the heavens. In other words, you can't argue with him. You can't talk him out of, of the word of God. You can't tell him that what he used to mean he doesn't mean anymore because culture has changed. That doesn't mean God's idea has changed. This is the problem with cultural relevance. We need to be a, a, a pertinent to the culture, but I'm telling you the gospel does not change in order to accommodate the culture. The culture must change to accommodate the gospel. Matthew 24 verse 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. God's word is settled and God's word is sure. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So is my word that proceeds out of my mouth. For as I send it, it shall accomplish that which I please it to do, and it shall prosper in the thing that I have sent it to perform. Oh, hear me friend the word of God is successful it is settled it is sure and it is successful and friend I just want to say to you this morning there will never be a change in the word of God there will never be a change in the commands of God whosoever hath the son hath life but whosoever hath not the son hath not life but the wrath of God abideth upon him hear me this morning friend Jesus Christ is necessary he is not an addition to your life uh, he is not something you can add on. He's not just a good thing that you can acquaint yourself with. He is necessary. Without Jesus, there is no heaven. Without Jesus, there is no eternity. Without Jesus, there is no place uh, of blessing. Without Jesus, there is no salvation. Hear me. We need Him. He is our salvation. For much of the last 200 years, theological liberals have begun to embrace something called process theology. That is the notion that God is in the process of improving. Process theology has ancient roots, but its modern rebirth came during the 19th and 20th centuries. Process theology is in many ways the philosophical mother of liberation theology that we became familiar with in a lot of African-American congregations back in the 60s. That's why you can watch TV and see certain reverends 
and you wonder what in the world they are talking about and what Bible they're reading from and what God they're talking about. They are talking about a God who changes, a God who evolves, a God who has a personal epiphany, a God who suddenly changes his mind about sin, about righteousness, about heaven and hell, about goodness and faith and relationships and behaviors and every other cultural matter that man wants to put his hand on. He used to be against homosexuality, but that's because he adapted to the bigoted culture of Abraham's day. Today he understands gay marriage as a civil rights issue. And as New Testament believers, we should be careful to judge, not lest we be judged. He used to be against adultery, but that's because he was a Puritan, even before the Puritans came along. He had adapted to the patriarchal male chauvinistic views of Nathan's day when the prophet confronted King David. Today, however, he gives peace to people who are breaking their vows and living in sin because he wants you to be happy above all else, whether that happiness is rooted in obedience to his word. I'm telling you this morning, there is a Greek word for all of that concept, and it's baloney. He used to be in favor of justified righteous war, but that's only because he adapted to the militaristic patriotism of David's day. But at some point, since he commanded the military destruction of Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and others, God has burned his draft card in, in protest to the natural, nat nationalistic military buildup of sovereign nations. Yes, it's true that in New Testament times, God understands the distinction between the call of individuals to to seek peace and to turn the other cheek and the rights of and responsibilities of governments to enact justice and retribution with the sword. But since the writings of Peter and Paul, God has somehow changed. God has mellowed in his views on war. God is now more comfortable at a move-on rally uh, by George Soros uh, or a peace conference uh, uh, by, that's put on by the liberal theologians of this day. God used to be in favor of governments enacting the death penalty, but that's because he adapted to the total totalitarianism of Moses' day, but God no longer sees the distinction between individual vigilantes and governments. He's come of age. God is mellowed and now favors life without parole, even for serial rapists sentences for pedophiles who have been socially rehabbed. Again, I tell you, that is not the word of God. That's not the God of the Bible. That is mankind's contribution uh, uh, to uh, uh, moral supremacy. I'm telling you, God does not change his commands. God used to be opposed to premarital sex, but that was before the sexual revolution of the 1960s and 70s. God read the Kinsey Report and the writings of Masters and Johnson and realized his prohibitions were inhibiting people from being who he had actually created them to be. Faced with the divine dilemma, God relented and now embraces the laissez-faire, in other words, whatever feels good, do it, attitude toward human sexuality. Flea fornication has become, if it feels good, just go with it. Understand, we do not change our views on sexual immorality. God saw the era of his oppressive ways, and he changed. I don't believe that. And you don't either. God used to be opposed to killing the unborn. That's why he destroyed the Ammonites for killing unborn babies. But that was before God read the U.S. Constitution and found a penumbra among the amendments. Now he has been enlightened 
God has gotten understanding by modern approaches to constitutional law. He is personally opposed to killing babies, but wonders if it's really his place to tell someone else how they should and should not behave. God used to believe that wine was a mocker and strong drink was a brawler. But one Sunday afternoon while watching NASCAR, God saw some hilarious beer commercials and became convinced that he needed to lighten up on the issue of alcohol. And now the only question God still has isn't resolved is whether it's less filling or tastes great. Man, I'm preaching good this morning. God used to be opposed to coarse language and crude humor. But that's only because the Apostle Paul didn't like it and God let Paul take the lead in Ephesians 5. But the Lord understands it's increasingly necessary for preachers to be edgy, cool, and relevant. So he tolerates and even encourages preachers and church leaders to adapt to the times even if violates scriptural prohibitions. Those static, outdated, and antiquated reminders of who God used to be. The Bible still says, let no evil or corrupt communication come out of your mouth. These modern-day revisionists have been su even suggested that God shouts about some sins while he whispers about other sins. Friend, I don't care who you are. If your God whispers about certain sins, your mutable God is not the immutable God of the Scripture. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If, listen to me. If he was against it before, he's still against it now. If he was for it before, he's still for it now. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never changes. There will never be a change in his character. There will never be a change in his commands. There will never be a change in his comfort. There are two great promises in our scripture text. Verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews chapter 13. Just before Jesus Christ is said to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, He is said to be the God who will never leave you nor forsake you. And we, because of that, will be able to declare loudly and boldly, the Lord is my helper. In the Greek language, there is a double emphasis. And the scripture actually says, He Himself said. In the Greek there is also a double negative where he says, I will never leave you. It says in the Greek, I will never, never leave you. A pastor was preaching on his double emphasis and this double negative in the Greek. An old uneducated farmer went out and said, Preacher, God may have told you Greek scholars things twice because y'all are so hard to understand things. But for the rest of us simpletons, once is enough. <laughs> Well, the fact is, for most of us, once is not enough. So let me tell you again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will say of the Lord, He is my helper. When friends walk out and troubles walk in, God will never leave you. When trouble piles up and crisis rolls in, God will never leave you. When winds howl and storms blow, God will never leave you. When the sun is shining or the rain is falling, God will never leave you. Listen to the old hymn. Why don't you sing it with me on, on the first verse. I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt 
Sins breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior telling me still to fight on. He's promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, come on now, never alone, no, never alone. to leave me alone no never alone no never alone he promised never to leave me never to leave me Robert Louis Stevenson was a great author of books like Treasure Island and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And as a little boy, he took an ocean village with his, a voyage with his father. They encountered a great storm. The father went up into the wheelhouse and saw the captain of the ship, calm, collected, and confident. And he went back down below and comforted his young son. The captain is at the wheel. And he who knows the storm better than we is at the perfect peace. All is well. I want to tell you this morning, our Master, our Savior, our Father, our faithful parent is at the wheel. And He is in control. All is well. The fourth thing, and I'm closing this morning, there will never be a change in His capability. Verse 6 says, The Lord is my helper. The word helper is the Greek word boethos, and it refers to the cry of a child. And it not only pictures the child crying, but it pictures the parent, mother or father, responding to the cry of the child. I just want to say to you, the Lord will never leave me and never forsake me. And when I cry to him as his child, he will come running to me as a faithful parent. He will come in my time of need and rescue me. I just want to tell you the older that I get, there is stuff that I can't do as well as I used to. In some ways I can still do just about everything I want to do, but I just can't do as much of it at one time without having to sit down or rest a little bit. Anybody know what that's like? But God, listen to me, God has never had that experience. The young man may grow weary and the strong may even become tired and faint, but the Lord, He never grows weary and He never becomes faint. And he tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. His arm is not short. His ear is not deaf. He is not slack concerning His promise. His promises are yes and amen to them that believe. His love is higher than the heavens. His power has not dried up. He has not grown old or weary or tired. His word is true. He is there always when you need Him. God is the one who provides, heals, helps, and hears. God who sends angels on missions of mercy. God who sings songs over you daily. The one who walks on waters and calms the storms with his voice. He is the one who is able this day to intervene in your life and in every circumstance and in every situation deliver you from your problem. He's the God of supply. He's the God of supply. I'm here to tell you, if he can go to a little widow's house in Zarephath and there minister to her during a three and a half year famine, I just want to tell you, God knows what you need and he knows how to provide it for you. If God can, if God can go to a place called Bethel and there communicate to a widow who is about to go to the poorhouse, matter of fact, the, the, the creditors, the, the people she owed were coming to repossess her two sons and put them in bond slavery. But God showed up on the scene and sent a word from the prophet Elisha and God provided for her and as a result her debt was paid off and not only was her debt paid off but she had enough oil in her vessels uh, to sell it in the marketplace and provide for her and her children uh, and I'm telling you that's the God I'm talking about a God who can supply every need in your life. A God who can part the Red Sea. A God who can get between you and your enemy. A God who can pour out the Holy Spirit. A God who can give glory and power in the midst of our need and human suffering. I'm telling you, in our financial need, He's provider. In our trouble, He's our Savior. In our crisis, He's a waymaker. In the storms, He's our shelter. And in loneliness, He'll be our friend. Oh, let me tell you, the God who did it yesterday is the God who will do it today, is the God who will do it tomorrow. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Shout to him this morning. Hallelujah. 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 God, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you that you are the God who never changes. Hallelujah. I want to ask you this morning, right now in this place, in your car, in your vehicle, would you just bow your heart with me before the Lord? On your outline, there were three blank spaces, and it was out beside the three words, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. Omniscient means the God who knows everything. Omnipotent, the God who is all-powerful. And omnipresent, the God who is everywhere. And I just want to tell you, I'm up here on this platform, and I feel, I feel in my human being just a little bit helpless because I'm not able to be right there with you. But I just want to tell you, the Jesus that's in me is the Jesus that's in you. 
and there's a holy hookup. <laughs> there's a divine fellowship. The Bible says, if we walk in the light as Jesus is the light, then we have fellowship one with another. So the spirit that's in you is a spirit that's in me. We're brothers and sisters around here. We're in the family of God. And so I want to ask you this morning, if you have a need in your life, whatever that need is, I want to tell you, God is greater than your need. Now, in our sanctuary, we'd come along and we'd lay our hands on you. Or somebody would come and pray with you, stand with you. But this morning, we're just going to have to believe God that that's happening in the Spirit. And I'm stretching my hand out towards you in faith. Just think about it. If I could, I, there's no way I could lay my hands on everybody that's in this parking lot at one time. But I'm telling you, in the Spirit, we can do that. And so just receive right now the laying on of hands. And I want you to put your hand on your body as an act of faith. Or maybe if you have a financial need, why don't you get your purse or your billfold out and put your hand on your purse or your billfold. Whatever your need is today, if it's physical, you just lay your hand on your body. If it's in your family, put your hand on your heart. Let your heart feel for that family member or for that situation. And I'm reaching out today to lay hands on you. I'm reaching out in the Spirit to believe God with you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it yesterday, he'll do it today. Come on, pray with me right now and receive from God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and our Savior, I believe and ask right now that you touch the people of God. Lord, on the back row, God on the middle row of cars, God on the front row of cars, on the east side, on the west side, on the north side, on the south side, God in the middle, wherever their car is, Lord, wherever they are, your Holy Spirit is right there with them. And Lord, I say it. I say it out loud. I say it right now by the Spirit of God. Jesus, you're meeting our need. Jesus, you're healing us. Jesus, you're providing for us. Angels are sent on missions of mercy. Lord, I thank you right now to minister to the heirs of salvation. I praise you, God, that peace is coming like a river. Joy is flowing right now in place of sorrow. I thank you, God, you're enveloping our mind with the peace of God. You're guarding our mind with the peace of God. I thank you, Lord, that your love is replacing hate, that your love is driving out anger that your love is coming like a mighty river higher than the heavens reaching farther than the brightest star Lord I thank you your love is changing us touch us Lord Jesus Holy Spirit breathe on us the life of God make us new change us deliver us God, I pray a hedge about the people of God this morning. Come on, pray with me and agree with me. Father, I pray a hedge about the people of God in this day. Lord, 
I believe this with all of my heart. When Israel was in the wilderness and they couldn't take care of themselves, God just supernaturally took care of them. You were the covering cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And Lord, just like you took care of them in the wilderness, God, your church is going through a wilderness time in, in America. And around the world, your church is going through a wilderness time. And God, we, we are without abilities to do anything other than just basic things, Lord. And I thank you for that. But God, I believe and I pray in agreement that in this moment, when we are not able, you are able. And I pray a hedge about your people. I pray protection about your people. I pray, Lord, as we use common sense and wisdom, as we do our best to do what is right, God, I thank you that the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against the flood attack of the enemy. I thank you. Isaiah 41, 13 says that you, Lord, are with us. You're taking us by the right hand like a father would his child, and you are helping us. God, that was your prophetic word to me seven weeks ago, and it's still your word to me today. I thank you, God for what you're doing in the lives of your people right now. Touch souls, draw men to Christ. Father, I pray right now for anybody in this parking lot who doesn't know Jesus, let them just receive the Son of God. Father, we repent of our sins. We invite and receive Christ into our lives, and we determine and make that life-changing decision to crown Him Lord of Lords, to make Him the Master of our lives and the Savior of our soul. We will follow him all the days of our life. God, if there's anyone who prays that prayer and believes that today, God, I ask you to just let them communicate that to me or to someone else, at least to testify that they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray they do that in Jesus' name. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Come on now. Hold to God's unchanging hand hold to God's unchanging hand build your hopes on things eternal hold to God's unchanging just thank you today for this opportunity to worship you, to be with you and your sweet people. Thank you for this gathering on this parking lot. It's been holy ground. Thank you for making it sacred. 
because you're here. Wherever Jesus is, that's holy ground. And Lord, I thank you for touching us and helping us and encouraging us. Help us to be faithful to you and make us a blessing to everyone we come in contact with. May we walk in the fullness of the love of God and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Okay, let, let me give you some instructions so we can get out of here quickly and orderly and we don't have any fender benders. <laughs> We're going to let the back row go first and go out this north north parking lot exit, okay, would you? Brother Rusty's just going to kind of direct you out. This back row go first and, and then we'll let the, the middle and the front rows go next. Hey, I love you. Thanks for coming today. God bless you. Go with God. He'll go with you.